104.7 The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. Broadcasting pure classic rock from the Just One More studio in beautiful Midtown Springfield. It's Ned Talk, your local live sports show. Sports Talk for imbeciles. I hate that show. Now, here's Ned. Yes, sir. Monday night. Here we are again. Time to take a little break from the music and talk about sports. I'm Joe Weston, your host for the next hour, joined by our sports roustabout, Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you doing? On very, this, very good. You on this have Monday? remembered to do it exactly right. And yes. Uh, Ned is personally doing great because I have, you must understand now, I thrive in hot weather. Yeah. Triple digits coming up. Guys, that's for me. You were telling me the other day you mow your lawn at the hottest part of the day. I do. I do. Usually about 1, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, keep in mind, it only takes about an hour to mow it. But uh, still, it's it's a good challenge. For those of you wondering, Ned Reynolds, not a wussy. Not <laughs> no, at no, all. No, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> nothing to do with that at all. But it, uh, I, I am a believer, and this is antiquated, I'm sure. But you need to sweat. It eliminates poisons from, I don't mean poisons in the... Toxins. Uh, toxins. Toxins is a better way of putting it. Uh, from your body and allows your body to breathe anew, and uh, the more you can perspire, the better. And Ned believes in leaching, too, by the way. <laughs> also with us is Stormy Davis. Stormy, how are you? I'm doing great. It's been a very good Monday. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's the week of Mitch Holtis coming it to is. town. He will Cannot be here. Wait. Friday night at the Riff, in case you don't know where the Riff's at. It's part of the Classic Rock Coffee Complex, which is at the corner of Sunset and Kansas Expressway. Still a few tickets left. We're not selling as many tickets this year because of the coronavirus, obviously. So we're doing some social distancing. You can buy those tickets online right now at 1047thecave.com. Ned, you've been through several of these. Tell people what they can expect. Well, Mitch Holtis is the guest, of course, and uh, he and uh, allows us, us being uh, yours truly and Art Haynes, to interview him. Uh, we've known Mitch for a long, long time, worked with him for many, many years. He is one of a kind. He is truly a connoisseur of pro football in all aspects. He's, of course, especially knowledgeable about the Chiefs, as he should be. That's where his meal ticket is. But in terms of football in general, this guy has, is, is a consummate expert. Uh, never at a loss for words. His repartee is excellent. I thought you uh, brought it up pretty well the other day, uh, Joe, uh, when we, I made some comment about he's an easy interview. Easy. Hey, Mitch, how you doing? Well, you're good for the next half hour. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and he is. He's, he's very glib. He loves to meet people. I ask, uh, let's see, this will be my fourth, I believe it is, my fourth um, interview with him. Well, that's, is it four years or three years? That he's been well, here? Uh, three, I think. Let's see, we this, did. Th- this will be number four. Okay, this will be, this will be number four, four yeah. yeah. And each time, folks, I, I love this, each time at the end, when we're all milling around and so forth, he gathers a group from the audience. Now, whether or not he'll be able to do that this year, I don't know. But he gets a group of them because everybody wants to meet him and shake hands with him, and he leads them in. Touchdown, Kansas! It's it's funnier than heck. It really is. I still like the impersonations. <laughs> Those are fun. You and Nart. Well, I, I don't find them particularly humorous <laughs> at all. <laughs> 
he's very entertaining. And, and if you're a Chiefs fan, it's a must-see because he'll get you really ready to go for football season. I know midsummer, and you're probably thinking, I, you know, I'm not in football mood quite yet. Mitch puts you in football mood really quickly. To that end, Joe, last year during the uh, the course very early on, we were discussing the Chiefs roster, and this is the first, and I should have known this, but the uh, first that I was familiar with, Chris Jones, mm-hmm. first time. And he said, you guys, you have not seen anybody play football until you see this guy. He's 6'7", number one, 6'7", well over 300 pounds, but his wingspan. And then yeah. Mitch exaggerated. Turned out he wasn't exaggerating. No, he wasn't. Wingspan is huge. He said, this guy is a disruptive force. And, okay, I just made that little note. Chris Jones. I've never heard of him, probably won't again. Well, the rest is history. You know what he's done and how disruptive he was in the Super Bowl. Well, that was all prefaced by uh, Mitch at our little get-together. Yeah, it, it's really something to see, and it, it's a very nice evening. Well, you you that makes a nice transition for us because that's the big news in Chiefs Kingdom right now is Chris Jones. What's excuse me? What's the latest? I know you're getting awfully choked up over this situation. But the fact is, I am. I am. The Chiefs have been talking with him, and that that in and of itself is positive. But what is negative is the fact that let's see what time is it? A little after six o'clock. It's twenty four. They have a little bit less than forty eight hours to get something mm-hmm. done. It has to be. I I may have to be corrected on this, but I think it's three o'clock on the. Uh, on I the think 15th. you're right. Yeah, I know it's sometime in the afternoon, and I think it's three. That they have to have a deal worked out. And if they don't, well, then the guy can play. But if he plays, it'll have to be as the franchise player. Mm-hmm. And as the franchise player, the guy's going to get sixteen million one hundred thousand dollars. That's a that's Poor a guy. great salary. It is also a big chunk out of Kansas City's budget. But I think they can handle that. But they, he, he being Jones, wants a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to take a chance with free agency at the end of the year and see what happens then. After July 15th, if the Chiefs don't sign him, they can't talk to him. There right. can be no right. contract negotiations, period. It's against the, against the rules of the NFL. So the, he, has, he has Kansas City in, in something of his hip pocket in that regards. But the Chiefs have him at a disadvantage, too, because suppose he does play as a franchise player mm-hmm. and he gets injured. Then what happens? That's why he wants that long-term contract because your, your availability in the National Football League is not like it is in Major League Baseball or the NBA or anything like that. You're one solid hit away from being toast. Yes. Well, we talked about it last week that uh, – They signed Patrick Mahomes. It was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, everybody knew they were going to sign him, but they the the timing was Mm -hmm. surprising, and that maybe that would lead to them signing Chris Jones. And they've done some work in the past week, Joe. In my opinion, it was done for two reasons. Number one, they wanted to get everything cleared up, and Mahomes did he have to think about five hundred and three million dollars over uh, Mm twelve years? No, I don't think that. Doubtful. (laughs) So they wanted it done and out of the way. But they also did it with Chris Jones in mind for two, two reasons. Number one, can we get him? Can we get him at a pretty good rate, a rate that we can afford with this massive hit on our budget? Or are we, are we waiting now to give him a limited amount of time just to tell him that we're going to deal you, we're going to trade, which they can do only if he signs the tender. That's the mm-hmm. agreement to be a franchise player. He hasn't signed yet. that yet. 
So, again, we're running short on time here. I really, deep down, I think the Chiefs do come up with a deal for him. Uh, whether or not he accepts it, I think they'll make a presentation to him. But the guy wants $20, $21 million a year. I won. $21 million a year for, what, four or five years, somewhere around there? Maybe even that's longer. Right, yeah. that's, a, that's a big hit. That's big that's hit. a ton of money. Let me, let me ask you, what, what are the options that the Chiefs have? Do, where can they cut? And can they sign and trade, or will they? are they looking for a trade? Just run down the options for us. Well, Sammy Watkins would be one of them because he, he makes a heck of a lot of money. Now, he has had his contract restructured, but still, you have to pay the guy. That's what I was going to ask you. He came to the team last year and said, let me restructure because I want to stay with the team. I love what we're doing. Is that a guy that you really want to get rid of? No. From a philosophical standpoint, no. No. But keep in mind that this is a business. And you yep. do have to operate it as a business. In terms of loyalty, yeah, it probably plays about a 10% factor in some of the uh, situations. Uh, look at Tom Brady. Couldn't yeah. come to a deal with him, and he's been with the Patriots all these years, all these wins. Now where is he? Tampa Bay. There is just There can't be any loyalty and still maintain a fiscal responsibility. I think Watkins... Uh, depending on how the season goes, there may be others, especially on the line. Eric Fisher, I think, is probably expendable. He's a veteran on that line. Dr. Uh, Duvernay-Tardif, I think, is probably one who they would consider dealing with. These are all very wealthy individuals making big salaries, and you're going to have to make some adjustments in your entire payroll. Now, how does that affect the team? Well, optimistically, you can say, well, it's, it's going to be all right. We can, we can survive. Linemen are interchangeable. Oh, no, no, no they're uh, no, not. No, 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 they're not. <laughs> and, and you see that when there are key injuries involved with any team. Uh, we saw it with the Chiefs. They lost a couple of offensive linemen, not this past year, but two years ago. And, oh, gosh, you know, it, it affected them greatly because of just the timing element and their abilities. There is a major difference. Casual fan can't see it, but down there on the field, the coaches can and the players can. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly a very dicey circumstance for any general manager, but especially for the Chiefs being world champions. Do you see that there's a, a trade market, any possibility for trading Chris Jones? There is, but he has to sign the tender. Yep. And he, and has he says, to, says he's not well, going to do that. he did that with D. Ford last year. He signed the tender, became a franchise player, and what was he, two days later he was going right to here. the gone. San Francisco 49ers. And uh, the same with uh, Ford. Uh, um, um, the big guy they got from the Seattle Seahawks, the big, the big lineman. We're oh all drawn a blank. Here we go. Oh, air, dead air on radio. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, the, he did the same thing. Yeah, with that Seattle. guy. He, Earl uh, Thomas was it Earl Thomas? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Big lineman that they got. University of Michigan kid. I've drawn a blank on his name. Anyway, beside the point, uh, he did the same thing. He was assigned the tender, and they traded him to the uh, the Chiefs for uh, some, you know, valuable property and some uh, some money. And the same thing can happen here with Chris Jones, although they would really have to look at, very carefully, look at what they would get. You have to get equal, equal talent, number one, and you have to get something that's going to be monetarily understandable. Uh, it, ha- as a free agent, suppose he does play and then declares himself as a free agent at the end of the year. Then declare himself, he will be a will free be, agent. Yes. He's an unrestricted free agent. And he signs with, well, just to say, the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. What do the Chiefs get? 
in uh, in compensation? Zero. Nothing. Nothing at all. They would get no compensation. Now, back before the new contract was signed in 2014, they would have had some compensation mm-hmm. in draft picks, but not now. You don't get anything at all. So Kansas City needs to weigh the circumstances here very carefully and understand what all the ramifications are. They want him. They want him. He needs to be still young. Heck, he's, what, 26, 27 years old. And as big as he is and as strong as he is and as disruptive a force as he is. Frank Clark. Frank Frank Clark. Clark. Thank you, Frank Clark. Mike was uh, calling on our hotline to tell us that Frank Clark is the name. Thank you. Thank you, MTI. What's his last name? Mike. The the intern. (laughs) Just kidding, Mike. Just kidding. Uh, Thank you, man. Yeah, Frank Clark is who I was trying to think of. Uh, But the fact of the matter remains that you have to be very diligent with what you do in terms of signing a free agent or letting a guy become a free agent. It's 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 a very complicated circumstance. All right, Stormy, you're a general manager. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that, but <laughs> no, I just, said, I just said it again. You're a general manager. What do you do? Put on your general manager hat. What what? I well, mean, you don't know thing, all the money, but what do you do? Right. Well, the one other thing that Ned referenced to but didn't bring up in some of these trades is the risk factor in what you get as far as the drafts go. I mean, you could get a number one pick in the draft, but if you get uh, Vinny Testaverde instead of Tom Brady, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a difference in how you come out of that. So there's a big risk factor in what they get with the non-tangible side with the trades uh, when it comes to the draft of what picks they may or may not get, where they may move up the scale on that. Um so, and they factor that in a lot. And as Mitch, and we were talking about Mitch Holtis, and I think it was two years ago, Mitch first started talking about on Andy Reid's walls in his office. He said it's like watching a mathematician or, or Einstein figure out some great theory because he's got all this stuff written up, and you walk in there and you're just blown away. And you know that that Big Red is in there going through all this stuff and weighing in that risk factor of what they may or may not get in the draft. And that's that's a big part of it. A lot of people kind of overlook when they're looking at, oh, can they get for this guy? Can we trade for this dude? Can we get this person in here? Can we fill this space on the line? I'm like, well, there's one more factor that's almost in every trade, and that's some kind of working within the draft and where they end up in that. So that's another one that I would look at big time for uh, Kansas City. What would they get out of it in that aspect as well? Well, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to open up the phone lines, 863-7104. That's the number to call. Got something you want to discuss with us, Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, baseball starting, all sorts of stuff going on in sports, and we'd love to hear from you. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Ned is in the house. Everyone can just calm down. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Yep, Ned Talk. That means Ned Reynolds is here, Stormy Davis, and myself, Joe Weston, and we are sitting around shooting the breeze. <laughs> is that what we were shooting? Yeah, something like that. That's what I can say on the radio. We were shooting oh, something. Right. I keep forgetting that part. Yeah, so uh, we're talking about sports, and <laughs> we're just 10 days away from the start, the delayed start of Major League Baseball. They're still having Thank trouble you. with testing. They're still having players come through with coronavirus. I just saw Araldis Chapman has it now. Yeah, well, How many more Yankees can get this? He was uh, he tested a couple of days ago. That's not new. Yeah, uh, tested positive. What you're not realizing though, and and they don't say this in the test, that these uh, many of them, not all, but many of them are asymptomatic. Yeah, and you carry that virus. That, that's part of a, a virus, uh, not necessarily pandemic, but epidemic. It flu. 
mm-hmm. the, the regular flu that anybody, so many people are asymptomatic. They, and that's how the disease necessarily is spread. Now, in the case of COVID-19, there is no vaccine, and that's the, uh, that's the big factor involved. But uh, there are some players uh, who many of them have tested as asymptomatic carriers, and under the protocol, they do have to be quarantined. I would suspect, I don't know anything about Chapman, whether or not he, he showed is, any symptoms. He is showing symptoms. They said mild, they? mild symptoms uh, at this probably point. probably then a, a cough and maybe a headache or something like that. Uh, there is one player, one Cardinal, who has opted out for the season, and and I don't, I don't not understand uh, the, this case, but Jordan Hicks, Jordan Hicks is the reliever from Arkansas. He's a young kid. He's mm-hmm. he's only what twenty two, twenty three year old. Uh, two years ago, he was throwing well over a hundred miles an hour, hundred two, hundred three miles an hour. Did last year put a strain on his arm, and in fact, did tear a tendon. And did have Tommy John surgery. He is still recovering just a bit from that Tommy John surgery and probably would not be effective for some of the 60-game season. But he has opted out. There's a reason why he's opted out. He is a type 1 diabetic, so he has an underlying circumstance. That makes him an at-risk player. And as an at-risk player, he can opt out for the season, get his full salary, and get his full service time as well. Do not decry that one little bit. No, I think he's very smart in doing it. It's only 60 games, and he should be able to spend that time recovering mm-hmm. and working out the arm and so forth and so on. So that's a, that's a pretty wise decision. Incidentally, the Cardinals are apparently going to play one exhibition game. A lot of these teams, mm-hmm. especially the Phillies and the Washington Nationals and the Yankees, have several exhibition yep. games that they're playing. Uh, but the Cardinals and the Royals will have one, and it's against each other, and it will be a week from tomorrow uh, afternoon. I'm sorry. Yeah, a week from tomorrow. Well, let me get my chronology straight. Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday, Monday, July Dad, 22nd. Monday. Yeah, I was uh, up, up, updating <laughs> the calendar. It'll be Wednesday, July the 22nd, and at Bush Stadium, 3 o'clock. It's an exhibition game. Now, the Cardinals and Royals also play six regular season games, three in each stadium. So, indeed, we do have baseball coming, and I think it's probably going to be, at least I hope it is, getting underway, and hopefully there will be no repercussions. I'm, I, I said last week we talked a little bit about, do you care? And I was kind of in the, uh, I don't really care anymore about hockey or baseball or basketball really restarting but i'm getting kind of excited i mean it's Mm -hmm. going to be interesting to watch just the everybody starting out equal and making the sprint to the finish line together be interesting to see that because teams that don't normally have a shot they've got a real everybody's got a shot going into this 60 games just put together a good 60 games i am really interested to see how managers work their pitching staff yeah Mm -hmm. because this is a 60 game season not 162 and uh, there won't have to be any of the rotation as such. You're going to throw your guys in there every four and five days. Exactly. You know, a lot. Of, this is about the time the trade deadline hits. It's mm-hmm. a little, a little after that. But it, that sixty games, like you think about Milwaukee a few years ago when they got CC Sabathia and they tossed him out there every fourth day, and he made a huge difference to Milwaukee. They can do that. Teams can do that if they've got a workhorse that they want to put out there every day. So it should be interesting to see how it all breaks down. Have you found out more about are the teams going to stay in their own divisions or have they created new divisions because of 
the way things are. No, they're they're staying they're staying in their leagues, mm-hmm. National League team and American League team, and so forth and so on. But no, in terms of their divisions, they will be relegated to regions of the country. There's an East, a West, and a Central, and that's how they'll that's how they'll play the games. Now, I I must admit, I'm ignorant as to how they'll. Uh, form the playoff teams as such. I imagine it's the same as it always has been, your champion plus one wild card. I would assume that's how they're going to do it. I think they're, uh, they talked about an extra round this year, possibly an extra round, that's extra round, scrubbed. extra. They that scrubbed, scrubbed that, okay. Yeah. All right. It's going to be the normal uh, the normal postseason play, which will take it into probably the latter part of October. Ten days out, which just, I mean, what's your prediction? What do you think? You know, it's impossible to make one. Oh, come on. All right. Uh, I say that because it's so different in how teams are going to make their approach to the season. Uh, In the National League Central, I was, uh, now keep in mind, being in Missouri and being associated with the Cardinals, you always want the Cardinals to win. But I'll tell you, the Cincinnati Reds have themselves a powerhouse. Now, do they have the pitching to carry through? Don't know. The Cardinals do have the pitching, but do they have the overall offensive attack? Same with the Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers. Probably the only team that really doesn't fit into the mix is Pittsburgh because they're still young, and that's who the Cardinals open the season with. Mm-hmm. Now I say open the season on uh, July 24th is when you're opening the season <laughs> on a Friday night in St. Louis. But it'll be the uh, Pirates, and then they'll play their regular schedule on through, and then the American League, they'll have either four or six, it depends on how the numbers break down, between the rivals, the Minnesota Twins, Detroit Tigers, uh, Kansas City Royals, White Sox, people like that. And it's going to be a good little challenge. Stormy, your prediction. My prediction is I'm, I'm going to bang a drum I kind of do quite often on this, is that I'm, I'm looking at the players who are opting out, I'm looking at the players who are staying in, and I want to see who's going to take advantage of this and step up and say, this is my opportunity, this is my chance at making something, this is the chance at showing people that I'm the ball player I think I am and have worked to being. And I want to see somebody come out of this as the hero of this short season that people will just talk about for years to come, and we might have more than one of them. We uh, talked about this last week, that taxi squad. I mean, if that was the squad for the Springfield Cardinals, you'd probably have a sellout every night there because oh, yeah. there was some major talent there. You'd yes. have a championship team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The 20 players who are coming down here are all top-notch prospects. Now, why, why would that not be, under normal circumstances, why would that not be the championship team? Because many of them would be with the Memphis Redbirds. Mm-hmm. But the fact is they're all, or many of them, are down here in Springfield. I'm interested in seeing that big third baseman, Walker, the uh, number one draft choice from Georgia, Georgia, high school player. He's 6'5", 220, can hit the ball out of sight. There is another one uh, coming in, a shortstop from, actually a pitcher shortstop from Texas, and Jose Okendo is going to be down here to work, work with, with him. him. This is uh, Nolan Gorman is going to be here. Uh, the Libertor kid who they got from the Tampa Bay Rays, who is supposedly an outstanding left-hander who can really do some things. He'll be down here. This is the nucleus of a very good backup team to have. And there may be a time in the 60-game season in which these individuals are going to be called on. All remaining to be seen. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they expand the rosters in September. I'm not sure that rule still exists. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Gorman and Liberator uh, are up there. I, I would be if some of the young kids are, but we'll see. And it'll be interesting to see how the coaches decide to make changes between these taxi squads and the regular team uh, throughout the season because it'll be a little more condensed to where they can keep an eye on you know, one group of guys rather than having to look at two or three 
you know, farm teams at a time and say, okay, we've got this guy here, we, and they suddenly spot somebody they might not have spotted before. So it'll be interesting to see how they change some of that out. Any any word? Is there any sort of trade deadline, or can trades be made? Trades or? can be yes. made right okay. now. They can be made now. Uh, after the season has begun, I'm sure they have a limit as to when any dealing, probably a week or two or three, somewhere around there. But uh, they, I know they can be concocted now. And so far, to my knowledge, nothing has happened. Should be interesting. It, I it can't wait. Be. It will be. This is going to be very, very much uh, an entertaining uh, from a fan standpoint, but very much a learning process for Major League Baseball, how you conduct yourself in a short, short season like this and with players who are, according to the protocol, ill. Many of them are not physically ill, but they are positive yes. and allegedly can be contagious. So all of that is going to factor in and, and how this affects sports in the future. After we have the vaccine, I hope we have one, uh, after that and after some of the curative agents have been promoted upon the public, how, how everybody reacts to this and how the fans come back. There's really an interesting event that's coming up this Wednesday night. It's the NASCAR All-Star Race. Mm. And it's going to be held at the Bristol Motor Speedway in Tennessee. Normally it's in Charlotte, mm-hmm. but they're putting it at Bristol for a, a key reason. And the key reason is NASCAR is allowing twenty to 30,000 fans in attendance. This is twenty to 30,000. Now you say, my God, the Bristol Motor Speedway? Folks, the Bristol Motor Speedway is probably the biggest of all yeah, the NASCAR is. arena. It's the one where they had the uh, football game last year. I think it was last year, two years ago, whenever it was. Uh, Virginia Tech in Tennessee, mm-hmm. 157,000 largest wow. crowd in American history yeah. to see it. Now, a lot of them couldn't see the game. <laughs> but the fact is that this, this particular uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, which has already been used for one race this year, is huge. So you can have distancing and still have 30,000 mm-hmm. people. I'm anxious to see how that works out. We want to hear from you. Our number is 863-7104. Give us a call. If you've got a question for Ned, we'd love to hear from you. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Ned is in the house. Technology, huh? Three steps forward, four steps back. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. People ask me, why did I pick such sexy music for Ned Talk? And it's because <laughs> Ned, <laughs> dead sexy. Even, I just I just now noticed, you shaved. You dropped the Sean Connery. Oh my goodness. Here I go from a roustabout to being sexy. That'll be the day. <laughs> I've known it for so long without the thing. It was weird with it. Now all of a sudden you come in without it, and I didn't notice. I, I shaved last uh, last Thursday, and it, it just got, it's too hot. Too hot for me. It got scratchy and itchy and all that sort of thing, so I said to heck with it. And you, uh, you actually made the trek at the Marshfield 4th of July parade. Did. Uh, two yeah. and a half miles. It was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was also... Quite warm. Quite Not warm. as warm as we're going to have later on this week. And a little secret, mm. Ned probably doesn't want me to tell people this. He locked himself out of his house. He lost his keys, but that, he found them. I Well, it was found for me. And it then, was found for me. And then you had to have a neighbor crawl in your window. That's, that is all true. <laughs> how, how did you know? Did he I tell told you? me. Okay. He told, I remember I, I said him for Mike this week while he was sick. Here's a story if you're interested, and it's it's. I know nobody is, but I am. Come on. Well, I drive home all the way from Marshfield, which isn't all that far. Reach in my pocket, and my house key is Gonzo. 
Uh, what the hell am I going to do now? Because my spare key is in my bedroom in the dresser drawer. Can't get in. So I go around, try to open one window. Of course, it's locked. Go to my kitchen window. That's not a very big house. Take the screen off, and I'll be darned the window is unlocked. Was. It's not now. <laughs> <laughs> Boosted it up, cleared everything out of the way, and said, Reynolds, you're closing in on 80 years old. Can you get through this? And the answer was no. no. By my great luck, my next-door neighbors, who are both bicyclists, had both been out there and uh, already gone on their cycling trip for the day. This is 4th of July. And uh, I said to the guy, hey, listen, do you mind? Oh, he's not a kid, but he's much more lithe than I am. Got up on the ladder, went right through, unlocked the door. My cats ran for for shelter because (laughs) they they were scared. Anyway, got in the house. And uh, then where I lost it out in Marshfield, it was found and mailed back to me, which I thought was very nice. A fellow named Chris Davis at uh, Marshfield Chevrolet did that, and I thought that was very, very nice on his part. Any Didn't relation? Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for keeping an eye on Ned for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and to Ned's yeah. neighbors, of course. Taking care of Ned. It's always <laughs> it's a, it's a full-time an, job. An interesting little Fourth of July, uh, and, and it all, you think back to it and everything that happened, the whole episode lasted about 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> all right. Last week, one of our big topics was name changes in sports. Came down today. The team from Washington will change their name. There, I don't think I saw any timetable for a change. Well, yes, there is. There is one. Uh, okay. there, the, the change is actually being brought about not so much because of public pressure, but because of financial pressure from one of the key minority owners, a group named FedEx. Mm-hmm. And they run the stadium. They have the naming rights to the stadium. And they put the pressure on Mr. Snyder, who I think very reluctantly agreed to do it. So what they're doing now uh, is all the officials from the red, the uh, the team from Washington, the now banned <laughs> Redskins, uh, are going over possible new names. They are going to keep the same color scheme. But in terms of the nickname, it'll be a new one. And if you're going to ask me, and I know you will, how I feel about it, couldn't possibly care any less. It has no bearing on anything that, hey, they'll play football. Yeah. And three months from now, four months from now, when the season ends and the red, the team from Washington. Whatever they are. Uh, is in last place. Nobody will even care at all. I, I think it's a good move. Uh, they, they There was a lot of financial pressure on them. I saw that several, several retail outlets just stopped carrying their merchandise completely. So... Kind of interesting. I thought the other interesting story, and I want to get your your take on this and, and Stormy's take on this. I know you'll probably not care less this, about this either, but several um, Internet entrepreneurs, shall we say, decided to camp on some of the best nicknames that could be chosen by the team from Washington. And so <laughs> there's they may have to pay somebody to get the name that they want. What do you think of that? What is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, it just there's people out there speculating that this could possibly be the name that they choose, and so they've gone and done the uh, trademark, trademark, and they've done the uh, internet stuff with it. So uh, I'm going to tell you the uh, the problem you're going to run into is the same thing that happened out at Stanford when the Stanford University changed their name from the Indians to what is now the Cardinal. Yep, and it's mm-hmm. not the bird; it's the name of the pine tree or the yes. breed of pine tree. But anyway, and. <laughs> <laughs> they gave the student body 
the opportunity to vote on the new nickname. And the student body overwhelmingly chose Thunder Chickens. <laughs> like the Mighty Ducks in Anaheim. Thunder yeah. Chickens was turned down the by the chickens. administration. <laughs> yeah. So what, did, what do you think? What, what would you go with as a, if you could for choose wa- any name for Washington besides the name that they have discarded? I yeah, really haven't thought much about it. Uh, I thought Warriors would be good. Warriors. One. I've seen that one tossed around on the internet a lot. Doesn't that have a militaristic uh, attitude? Yeah, but I, but I think I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, there, there. I mean, you want your nickname to evoke something, you know. When the Washington Bullets had their change. Yeah, but I, I the, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, that's Hawaii. a team that's out there right away. So. There's yeah, a two, but, there's, but, yeah but the, rainbow, the Rainbow Warriors in uh, in Hawaii. You're right yeah. about that stormy. And that's and a lot of what I've seen is the Warriors name, but keeping the logo as well. Now, yeah, just I think the logo's getting be rid changed. of the name uh, because they see that as the issue. But, but stormy, I think the I'm just I'm seeing what I heard. <laughs> I think they're changing. I'm the logo. just giving you I the information. The thing, well, Warriors is still no. It is it's kind of like Braves uh, and Chiefs. Are they are they antagonistic? No, yeah, I don't. I don't think so because again, I think you 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 choose a name that you again you want it to evoke something, whether fierce or bravery or whatever. And I think that when you choose the name Braves or Chiefs, you're that's a name that that shows a sign of respect. Yeah. You know, the other two names that are bandied about out there as far as changing the team from Washington and the. Cleveland Indians, I heard kind of derogatory to American Indians, American, Native Americans, I guess is what I should say. So I think that's the reason why they, that, that, that that's something that people want to see changed. Well, the logo, as you pointed out, the logo was created by a Native American. Yes, it was. It was uh, 1972. Uh, the gentleman's name was uh, Walter Wetzel, and he was a Native American. It was also the president of the uh, American Indians Association, the Congressional American Indians Association, and helped created that. And he's passed from us now, but he was uh, recorded in 2002 by the Washington Post as saying that uh, he was proud to see that logo up there, and he thought it was a positive thing for their people. And uh, even the family has come out just today and said that they're they're just they wanted to see the name change, but they were disappointed to see the logo would change as well because it was actually inspired by the Buffalo Head Nickel. Oh yeah, uh, the yeah. logo was so. It does have some. The, the logo does have some good history to it. But it I, does. I, I will agree. I do think the name change was appropriate. But I'm kind of with some of my friends and others I've seen on the net. I'd love to have seen the logo change because it's. I'll admit, I also miss the Houston Oilers logo. You know, it's kind of just nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I got those little plastic helmets in the bubble gum machine when I was a kid, and they had the the logos on them. So it's always a thrill whenever the uh, Houston Astros put on those old multicolor uniforms. Yes, they were hideous. They, they were, were terrible. Hideous. But that was Bill Verdon's uniform what I sure saw was. when I was a kid, and I looked up to Bill. And I'm, so, that's so this is where we're going to get sidetracked at. What's Uh-oh. the worst uniform you've ever seen? For me, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it's late 70s, Chicago White Sox, and the black shorts. And the black shorts. That, that was horrible. That, that was, was bad. Bill Vec who brought that in. <laughs> and, uh, of course, it was, it was, again, very controversial when he did that, and they finally... They finally did them in, not because they were shorts, but because the knees were being exposed to individuals who slid a lot. And mm-hmm. you had uh, you had abrasions and things like, of course, you're going to get abrasions anyway. The worst I ever saw, oh, gosh. You know, I really hadn't, 
I really hadn't thought too much about it. There have been some that... Head scratchers. Yeah, uh, especially when you get into the multi-colors of uh, some of the uniforms, especially in football, mm-hmm. when you see uh, uh, odd colored uniforms and so forth. But I can't really, I can't really say one that was one that was really uh, least favorite. Bi- let's let's, let's try that. Let's try least favorite uniform. I in football to me, it's the Ravens. I don't really like their uniforms at all. I don't like that. Don't like the shield. I, I think the way that their uniform setup almost looks like soccer. It's got the little <laughs> multi-logo kind of thing on it. I'm not a Ravens fan as far as the logo goes. Yeah, the worst one I've got to say I saw was uh, probably nine years ago or so, maybe even ten. I was sitting at a local establishment watching an NBA game on, and all of a sudden I see what looks like five seven-foot luggage tags <laughs> come running down the court. I want to say it was the Atlanta uh, Hawks. And, I mean, it was just the most unbelievable. And I texted my buddy, Steve Harold, who had worked for it, Drury, and I said, are you seeing this game? And he says, yeah, I'm watching it. And I said, does it look like luggage tags to you? He said, yeah, that's exactly what it was. So, I like those uh, those Steelers stripe uniforms that they, they, oh, no, they, no, no, they no. roll out There's once a year. There's the worst. Right <laughs> you, you hate that one? Oh, I'm I not a fan. That's so old not school. Not a fan. Now, that that is so throwback. They're throwback that's uniforms. Throwback style, and yes. That's throwback all the way back to the 1930s mm-hmm. that they had those those prison-like stripes yep. around the... Oh, gosh. And it was a different name team at the time, I think, wasn't it? Well, too? there was a, a... No, they were the Steelers, but there was a time during World War II when they were the Steagles. Yes, yes, because the two-team combination. Combined, yes, that's what Pittsburgh. I'm thinking of. But okay. that was very brief. I love it when we get sidetracked. And we talk about <laughs> other things. All right, we'll be back with Ned Talk. If you've got a phone call or question for us, 863-7104. We're right here on 104.7 The Cave. Ned is in the house. I'm back. Big as life and twice as ugly. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Yes, we are doing Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. That means we're we're all local. Stormy's from here. Actually, you're from Bolivar, aren't you, Stormy? New kids would come to town and say, what are you doing, Bolivar? We said, go to Springfield. So, <laughs> And Ned, you know, you're, from, the you're from the Philly area. Correct. But I'm I'm born and bred here, but you've been here longer than I... You've been here... You came here the year I was born, How so... How old were you? 53? 53, yes. All right, yes. I came here the year you were born, so, so I am so from we, here. We claim you as ours. Oh, yes. Philly can suck it. <laughs> I would uh, I would never... And and uh, put this... I'm like Daniel Snyder. Put it in, in uppercase letters. I would never <laughs> go back there. Now, I will go back there to visit. I have a brother who lives back in Philadelphia, but... And and some very few, but some friends. But no, in in terms of lifestyle, uh-uh, this is this is where I am. I've heard that it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is that true? Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it is not. We're doing sports talk on uh, on the cave, and we like to get off track every once in a while. We just got done talking about worst football uniforms or worst uniforms, uniforms what, what's your period. favorite uniform of all time let's let's go there well I, i'll give you two of them because it would involve the very first ever college football game that i saw very first ever november of 1953 and i would have been over somewhere in grade school i can't remember but this is now we talked about the ivy league and the ivy league being fcs which it is but back then the ivy league really didn't exist as such and those teams, especially Penn, played big-time football. And the first game I saw as a kid 
was Penn Notre Dame at Franklin Field in Philadelphia and two uniforms, both of them, one for Penn and one for Notre Dame, really stuck out in my mind. Penn had a most unusual color scheme. The uniforms were all white, but the sleeves were red and blue trimmed. Wow. And it was unique. No other no other team in the country had tried anything like that. And it was that was that's how Penn identified itself with the red and blue piping on the uh, all otherwise all white uniforms. They came out on this snowy afternoon and <laughs> here comes Notre Dame out of the tunnel before 71,000 fans to that cheer cheer for old Notre Dame the band playing it in Kelly Green jerseys. Wow. I've never seen anything like that ever before, obviously, or since. It just a, it was a magic moment and a, a, one that resonated with me forever. So they would be my two, not necessarily teams, but two of my favorite color schemes. Stormy, my, your favorite? My favorite uniform was the, uh, and it was kind of sort of a throwback to some earlier days of baseball, but... The Pittsburgh Pirates in the late 70s, yeah. they had the painter's caps the and the old school deal. I really loved those. Of course, I was a huge fan of Willie Stargell. Uh, Pop Stargell was just an amazing player, an amazing person. So that's that's probably my favorite uniform of all time. Next to the red, white, and blue of the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, I will always just love those. Uh, Americana 101. I, I love those hats. I actually had one. My parents I ordered it for me. Gosh, and I they, and they ordered me stars so that I could sew on it when I did something great. My favorite is, I, I'm going to be a homer here, is the Maroon and Missouri State University. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, the yeah. Love look of the uniform. Let's... Stop talking about uniforms. <laughs> Start talking a little bit about Queen City Insane Asylum. They played their opening game this week. How'd that go? Well, you know, we kind of had to scratch our heads, and 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 in the end, it's seventy six to twelve. <laughs> so was it in doubt ever? No. Okay. There, there was one. I'll admit, there was one really terrific run back from a kickoff after the first touchdown we had. The asylum scored. And ran it clear down the end of the field, and it was a really beautiful style run that they made and uh, got some good talent on the team. But uh, it was another win. So over the year, 5-0 and over this first season, 1-0. and And then our next game is the interesting one because this is against the team that decided to call in on Mike the Intern Show the next morning after we had Caleb Scott on here and say, okay, you know, you guys want to play somebody, we'll play you. And that is the Mid-States Defenders out of West Plains. And they're coming to town on Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Cy Sports out in Nixa. So we will have to see what happens there. But uh, very confident in the team. And, and local sports, you know, we've still got other local sports here in town. It's just not here in town with the Springfield Lasers. Their season has kicked yep. off yesterday. And Ned talked about it earlier today. But uh, two-time world defending world champions. But they kicked be proud off of them. Or, or, or served, I think is probably the more appropriate term yes. in tennis. They served with a loss. Uh, to the Orlando Storm, uh, twenty-one to eighteen. Tomorrow night they <laughs> played Billie Jean King's team, which is yeah, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Freedom. Freedom, and a team they defeated. For That's their a great name. First, it is Freedom. Yeah, it's a great. It it's just the whole name. It's just it's a great name. You know what her nickname was in in tennis with the with the foundation at Mother Freedom. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's who the uh, that's who the Lasers will play. All the games are the Greenbrier Resort in White Sulphur Springs, uh, West Virginia. One of the, oh gosh, you guys ever been? By I've it? heard about it. It is just incredible. It's a palace, yeah. believe me. And the these tennis players are not at all uncomfortable in the three weeks that they will be there. <laughs> Who's the major star with the Lasers this year? 
Oh, I don't really think they have one. They had the the kid uh, a couple of years ago from uh, Yugoslavia, yeah. who was a very good player. But in terms, of, no, it's just a well balanced team, and you have to do that in world team tennis because you have all segments of the sport. You have the men's singles, women's singles, men's doubles, women's doubles, mixed, mixed doubles. doubles, and then you have and it's only one set. One set uh, for each of those uh-huh. uh, particular categories, and that takes probably about an hour and three quarters, two hours. And uh, with the scoring system they have, there are overtimes yes. and things of that nature. It's it's very well done. It's it's uh, entertaining to watch. Is there any place where people can watch those? I, games? They're on television. Okay, cool. They are on TV. I think CBS Sports Network may have some of them. I I must admit, one I, of the ESPN is carrying most of the games, and also tennis. App. Tennis there's, channel. Then there's a tennis. There's an app on the phone. I think it's, you can get a tennis uh, app that uh, you can watch them as well. You can that. always count on us and Ned. Or talk. your iPad or you can always count on us and Ned talk for some vague information. <laughs> in, in in this case, it would be very vague because I'm not familiar. Yeah, I'm not in TV anymore, guys. I don't know anything about all the inner workings that go uh, on. My mom says she sees you on TV all the time. She calls me up. Ned was on TV today. <laughs> Is she one who wanted to say, you know, Ned looks like hell with that beard on. <laughs> Actually, uh, <laughs> did she? Did she? <laughs> <laughs> Stormy, let's go back to the insane asylum. We, yes. You were talking about Psy Sports. Tell people how to get there for the don't know how to get there. Uh, basically, the big valley right between Springfield and Nixa that everybody have to south, go through. Go south go on south, Campbell. South on Campbell. The big valley there where the uh, several of the uh, gardens are, the Carson's, Carson's and Carson's, Carson's Garden Carson's. and all that, and Carson's Nursery and everything. And then you take a right as if you're going to Summers at the River, which a lot of people know from softball and all this kind That's of thing. AA, I believe, that you take there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, past... Uh, summers at the river, and we'll have, a, and there will be a banner up right there on the corner of the road. There's so, a famous establishment right there in the corner of that we road. Don't, it's all the further you need to go. That's with exactly that. right. Caters to men. And Let's you just, just turn it at that. right there, and uh, it's it's back in a ways, but it's uh, basically where the uh, car, uh, oh one of the garden companies used to be. But there's a nice uh, baseball field out there where a lot of little leagues play, and then they've got a football field set up. Going to add this little addendum, too. Uh, Stormy brought up the final score, 76-12. That's not unusual. The 76 is perfectly common in eight-man football. The 12 is uncommon. Usually you have very high scores. This is eight-person football. Eight-man football, uh, 70-yard field, 50-yard playing surface with a 28-yard wide uh, surface, and, uh, you know, it's just – it's smash mouth football as best as you can get it, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to have watch. You, have you had trouble getting officials? No, no trouble getting officials. We've had some different changes here and there for timing, but other than that, uh, the officials have been terrific to work with. Oh, I mean, there are really no good. difference in the rules of football. Just a lesser... not a lot. Mo- mainly the the changes are there that are either with the numbers of the players or the size of the field, such as in a kickoff situation, if you actually hit the kickoff, and it goes through the uprights on the other end of the field, it's a score. Oh, is that right? It is. I know, crazy, but... How many points? I believe it's one, but it's still a score. And uh, uh, But um, really, you don't see it that much. The guys didn't even try it the other day, and we've got a very excellent kicker. And so... Uh, Who is your kicker? Uh, his name is... <laughs> Frank, Frank Clark. I wish, I wish Frank we were on TV right now. You, he does this the, every the look week. On, the look on Stormy. You're, you're the it's, GM. It's what you're supposed you got to know last this week. stuff. 
and I've, and I've got 38 of these guys I've got to keep track okay, of. Right. And so I'm still learning names and trying to get past the nicknames is I'll, the best I'll, thing. I'll tell you this. When I coached baseball, I would get all the kids around me after the first practice, and I'd go through and try to name all of them. That was that was something I did. And I and sometimes I'd have big groups of kids. My, my biggest issue is the fact of, and with little kids, it's a little easier because they haven't developed nicknames yet. Yeah. Here, I've got nicknames all over the place, and some of them have nothing whatsoever to do with their, their given name. And so I'm trying to, <laughs> although the one name I will, and I'll give him a plug here on live radio, L. Tyser II is uh, one of our better players. He's run the ball in several times for touchdowns in the uh, preseason and did a heck of a job helping move the ball around on Saturday. So, so down, 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 one so. more time. 7 when, o'clock, Cy Sports out in Nixa. What day? Saturday. Saturday. 7 p.m. kickoff time. And we've had food trucks there. We've got uh, music playing. The tickets. After. Tickets are uh, t- uh, five do- $10 a five, $5 a piece to get in. And then uh, the little ones, of course, the tiny ones are free. But uh, everybody come on out. It's a good time. Ned, anything you want to plug before we leave? I want to make sure that everybody knows about Mitch Holdis, who's coming here on, on Friday. Uh, we'll m- be meeting out the Riff. And they say, what in the world is the Riff? Well, it's a little adjunct auditorium to... Uh, nice place. It really yes, very is. very nice. And very, very amenable to the, s- the type of circumstance that we'll have here. Mm-hmm. It's right next to... Har- is it Hard Rock Coffee? Is that the... A classic, classic Rock, rock classic Coffee. Classic Rock Coffee. Classic Rock Coffee. It's part of that same building. And you go in there, uh, probably seating capacity for maybe jammed 200. Maybe we will not allow that many in there. Yeah. We're going to probably cut it in half. It's probable that individuals going in will have to have masks. I'm assuming that's going to be the case. We are expecting some VIPs to be there without mentioning any names. But Mitch, Mitch Holdus, the longtime voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, will be interviewed by Art Haynes and by me, and it's it's a good it's a really good evening. Last probably twenty five thirty minutes, and then now last year he brought a, a videotape with mm-hmm. him, and that we were able to show on the computer, and it was it was very good. It really illustrated exactly what he had been talking about, and he is very entertaining. He does you, a good. Job. I heard you and Mike talk about it this week. Not going to force anybody to wear masks, but I'm sure Mitch would appreciate it if people mm-hmm. did wear masks to the event. We, we don't want Mitch Holtis to come to Springfield and get COVID. That would <laughs> no. be the that would be like the worst news story. Mitch Holtis with COVID gotten at Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> well, it was just this last year that he brought the video of the mic'd up version of Patrick Mahomes. I think That's it was, exactly right. and it was just you got to hear. This young man yeah. who's so young in this league, such passion and such a strong confidence, that was just amazing. And so I, a lot of attitudes with Pat Patrick were changed by people out of that thing. I saw a lot of it online afterwards. Well, I'm excited for it. It's happening Friday night out at the Rift, corner of Sunset and Kansas Expressway. Buy your tickets now online at 1047thecave.com. Ned, see you Friday night. Friday night it is. Stormy, see, see you Friday, Friday night. night. See you guys Friday night, or we'll see you back here next Monday night. Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave.